Hello, friends, and welcome to the Pelican Project Podcast. I'm Crystal. And I'm Kelly. We want to welcome you, invite you to pull up a chair and join us in conversation. Kelly, last we heard you were on your way for a little girl's trip to Savannah. How did that go? Oh, it was so much fun. It was such a beautiful city. I really haven't done that. I mean, I've lived in Georgia and Alabama and all for a year, very long time. Never been. Yeah, no. So yeah, it was it was lovely. And what was one of the coolest things is we bought like, you know, like the trolley tour. You know, when you go with your family of six and you have all the kids, and it's like forty dollars a ticket. You're like, man, I don't think we're gonna do a trolley trolley tour. Not this trip, but when it was just me, I was like, I'm totally going and we're all going to do it. So we did it and we were um, on the trolley around the cathedral and the guy said something and I saw a sign and I'm like, does that sign say Flannery O'Connor on it? And I was like, what the heck? So of course it wasn't a part of the tour. So um, I stop went back. The trolley. I stop the trolley. <laughs> so I went back. We, um, I walked, one of the other ladies went to mass with me. We woke up, um, Sunday morning and we walked down to the, um, the cathedral from our hotel and I was like, okay, I need to go check this out. And it was her childhood home. It's right across the street from the cathedral. And that's, she, she calls it, you know how Flannery is very, she calls the, it the home where she grew up. (laughs) This is the house I grew up in. Not, not her childhood home, but the house I grew up in. And, um, even though all the signs say Flannery O'Connor's childhood home. And then she would go to the cathedral across the street. And, you know, I just think about like, oh my gosh, like these are, these are the trees that she walked by, you know, and like you're just trying to like place yourself, you know, she's one of the great brilliant minds of, of writers and just Catholic minds. But I was, I know there's a movie coming out about her. I forget what it's called. I think it has the word cat in it. I know that doesn't make me sound super prepared. Um, but I remember hearing about it, that they were producing it. And wasn't I telling you about that? I don't know. Um, but it just made me think of it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, because it was in uh, at DYC this year. One of the speakers was talking about how he was maybe a producer on the set. Oh. Yes. What's it called? Okay. It is called Wildcat. And Wildcat, I remember you telling me the story about... Um, Jimmy John's guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. He told you the story about uh, Maya Hawk. Yeah. The and actor. Maya Hawk. Yes, yes. It was all in the same talk. And he said, yeah, Maya Hawk, Ethan Hawk's daughter, plays Flannery, Maya Hawk. And I think, I don't know if I shared this on the podcast or maybe just in conversation, but... She had gone into um, the cathedral and was just taken by its beauty and yeah. just really and, – and she had taken, I guess, one of the producers aside or, or, or somebody on set and said, you know, she she was – you know, just trying to make sure that she did the quote unquote Catholic thing, right? Like, how do I bless myself? How do I walk in? How do I kneel? Like, how do I make this all look reverent and everything? And I think – you know, I'm, I'm going to butcher the story, but I guess this guy's feedback was like, just, just, you know, just trust, just trust. It's all going to work out. Like I, I have no feedback for you. Just trust. And, um, they said they did the take many, many different times, maybe 10 different times. And every time she walked in and she would kneel and bless herself, 
her eyes were full of tears every single time. It was not scripted. It was not a part of it, but it was just the beauty of that space was inviting her into something different. And, and that's what the beauty does, like the transcendental, it, that's what it does. Our Lord is able to like speak to us through these beautiful spaces, especially something like a, a cathedral. So um, the cathedral she was in was not the Savannah Cathedral. It was up, I think, in Montana. I believe, I could be wrong. Cathedral I was in was actually the cathedral that she went to for mass, and it was it was so lovely. I did not see my friend Father Shrek. He was actually out of town covering for his brother, who's a priest apparently. So, yeah, his brother's a priest, and his mother. Look at me sharing all the secrets of this. <laughs> it's no secret though; it's very public information. His mother was the organist at the cathedral for like fifty years or something insane like that. Like, can you imagine your whole life just? just being totally centered in one of the most beautiful locations. It is a beautiful cathedral. church. Beautiful yeah, it's church. stunning. Stunning yeah. and beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So it was good. Um, we got to do that and uh, saw Flannery O'Connor's childhood home. and Yeah, that was cool. I didn't know yeah. about that. Yeah, it was really cool. Awesome. I stumbled into it. So, And, and you know, when, when we're talking about somebody like Flannery, it just makes me all the more want to talk about the feminine because what a unique gift she had, but what a very um, unique person she was. You know, she wasn't of like, if you have read her stuff, I mean, I need to be mentally prepared to read her stuff. Right. You you have, yes. You need the to be first in the thing right I place. ever read, I was, it was an audio short story and I'm listening to it and I'm like, I need to pull over the car. Like I am right. not okay. You have to prepare yourself a bit. Yeah. It's heavy stuff. Yeah. She has a gift, clearly a holy, a God-given gift, but um, she exemplified the feminine in such a unique way. And this week we're, we're talking about, um, last week we talked about, of course, you know, just what is a girl and how we, we defined it as, you know, the Pelican Project. Um, in faithful to the teaching of the church and all, all the beautiful different ways that God has blessed um, the feminine. But this week we're talking more specifically about um, the how the three offices of Jesus, how a woman specifically lives out the roles of, of priest, prophet, and king. Right. And what a what a wonderful um, sort of model we have in our blessed mother to do that. Exactly. And, yeah. uh, and you know, the month of Mary, we have to, I mean, we're nailing it. Right? <laughs> Very <Yeah>. on top. <laughs> yeah, no. So I, I agree. I mean, you know, we read in, in Lumen Gentium, one of, one of the great, huge, you know, pastoral documents from the church, but in it, we read that Christ he fully reveals man to himself. So he shows us what it means to fully live in the image and likeness of God. And of course, God chose, God the Father chose that he would send his only begotten son. So he chose to send Jesus as a man, complete with all of the beautiful gifts of the masculine genius. And so when he lives out these roles, these offices of priest, prophet, and king, Men are able to follow that, and he gives a, a beautiful example on how to live fully human as a man in a very unique way. 
men are able to do that in a very unique way following our Lord. However, because, you know, this Sunday in the gospels, we read, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, he says. And because all of us are the bodies of Christ, all of our, all of us, the men and women, um, we have to immerse ourselves in the Christian life. And the Christian life is conforming ourselves to the heart of Christ and to following him as our model. But how we live out the offices of priest, prophet, king as a woman is going to look a little bit different than it does for a man, but no less important and no less um, integral to the life of, of the church. And so, like you said, Mary is the gift that we have as that perfect model. So we're just going to kind of walk through today how women live as a priest, as a prophet, and as a king. And we kind of, we, um, on some of our things, we wrote, she is, it's the title of our um, Prego Serve. And yeah, I think we have a life raise guide. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She is focus. priest, prophet, king. Right. And we have a, a teen life focus guide for this one too. So we do. On the website this week. Yeah. It's really, it's really good. Highly recommend it. And we love, we, we kind of put that she is priest, prophet, king, because, you know, y'all have this age old conversation about why can't women be priests and, you know, all of these things. So we thought it was a, a good hook. Like, wait a minute, Pelican Project advocating for women priests. The answer is no, that will not happen. It should not happen. <laughs> right. No, no, we're no. We're not talking holy orders here. No, no, no. We're not talking about the ministerial priesthood. We're talking about the common priesthood that we're all called to. So. So as a priest, women have the dignity of participating in Christ's priestly office in a way that man can't because of her maternity, honestly. Um, Her maternity allows, like we talked about last week, her to make space within herself to nourish another. Um, And all that is endured through her spiritual and physical motherhood echoes Christ's words on the cross or Christ's words um, at the Last Supper, like all all of these, you know, it's all come together. This is my body given up for you, right? That's what, and what does a priest do? A priest offers sacrifice for the faithful. And so as men, men can do that as, as taking on actual holy orders. If they're called to the vocation of of priesthood, all men are called to the common priesthood of offering sacrifice. And, and also all women are called to that. And we do that through exactly what we talked about last week and this week, our maternity, our ability to make space within ourselves for another to flourish. That's a, that's a true sacrifice. I mean, physically being pregnant and go and laboring a child, I mean, truly handing over your body and then moving forward, you know, the beauty of breastfeeding, literally giving your body, nourishing your body so that you can nourish another. And for those mothers who maybe are not biological mothers or, or do not have, they're living a spiritual motherhood. They're able to nourish life and, and, and sacrifice in a way that simply a man cannot. So it's just beautiful the way we're called to sacrifice and to, um, to participate in the, in the priesthood of Christ in that way. And then when we look to Mary as that example, we look to her fiat. Mary offers her entire being, like her, her body and soul, to the work of the cross. I mean, it was her yes that started everything in motion, right? And she said, you know, let it be done to me according to your word. She offered every sacrifice, everything she was, everything she she is for the will of God. 
And while her son's flesh was torn, her heart was pierced. That was her sacrifice, her pain, her suffering. And her sacrifice for the cross was perfect. It was free. It was total. It was faithful. It was fruitful. We talk about spousal love. So Mary shows us what that looks like, standing at the foot of the cross and completely being committed to the will of our Lord and offering up her suffering. It was beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. And heavy, like it's heavy stuff too, you know, and we have our, our precursor for kids this week. And I love it because these are things that are, they're important conversations to have with our kids. You know, I have three little girls. I mean, one's not so little, she's 18, but in my mind, she's little. I have three girls. Always be a baby. Right. You have a daughter. And there's so often we hear in the churches, you know, talking about, well, you know, back to why can't women be priests? Why can't women do this? We don't need to take on holy orders through the ministerial. We don't need that. That is not our lane. We have so much work to do with the way we live out the the priesthood. That right? Yeah, like we're busy we enough. Have enough to do. <laughs> yeah, and and I think what's so dangerous when we have that conversation is one, we're denying our role, what our actual role is. We're downplaying the importance it. of the role. Yes, one hundred percent, and. You know, of course, I mean, we need the priests, like we need the the priesthood, um, hugely important, but it doesn't mean that a priest, somebody who's called to the priesthood is, is holier. It doesn't mean that they're, you know, in, in some way God has sort of tapped them on the shoulder and not tapped us on the shoulder. It's just simply not the case. Right. You know, there's right. Complimentary. We need both. So talk to your kids about this. Talk to your kids about this conversation because it matters. And this is a space within the church and within our catechesis that we can get wrong. And we need to get this right because it speaks so directly to the heart of our maternity. Um, The next one is prophet. Right. So through the Beatitudes, Jesus instructs the faithful to proclaim the gospel with their very lives beginning each command with blessed are they who. Inherent to her feminine genius, when a woman lives her gifts of maternity, receptivity, sensitivity, and generosity, she proclaims the heart of the gospel to all she encounters in a uniquely feminine way. I love that. And I love looking at the Beatitudes, you know, because of course, Jesus, he's repeating over and over again, blessed are they, blessed are they, blessed are they. Where else do we hear that in scripture? Blessed is she among women. Mary, full of grace, blessed are you. Yes, all of this is like Mary is the one who perfectly lives out evangelizing, pointing the world to her son through her feminine gifts, through her, the model of her life, living in perfect beatitude. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. God saw it fit to first share the word made flesh with the created world through a feminine genius. Mary's feminine gifts evangelize the world and serve as the model of life lived in perfect beatitude. Blessed is she among women. Yeah. You know, hashtag things St. Francis never said, preach the you know, gospel and use words only if necessary. However, you know, I was reading, we had to read for one of my classes. Um, it was like an old, oh, I'm going to butcher this. I shouldn't have never brought it up. It was an old document. I guess written, it was like the rules of St. Francis, who's super old. And in one of those, 
it does talk about the the necessity for silence and the importance of using as few words as possible. Like you can do an injustice to your evangelization by being a little wordy, right? You can get yourself into some trouble. I mean, if you have too much to say and you're going to dip your toe into heresy, just say Jesus loves you and he saves and, you know, like... But um, so I, I am, as I was reading that, and I'm like, I am pretty sure this is where this came from, this, this urban legend of St. Francis. But, um, but the reality is, is that when we evangelize, it has to be an internal fiat, right? Like Mary has already given her fiat. She's already said, I will deliver Christ to the, literally deliver Christ to the world. And when she does that, she does it in a very quiet way. And it's through, through the model of her life that we learn how to live in that beatitude that Christ later tells us about and explains that we are called to live a certain way, giving us hope for, you know, hope for heaven and, and also allowing us to find purpose in the suffering here. Mary shows us that perfectly. And that's what a prophet does. A prophet is, speaks as a mouthpiece for the Lord, shares God's word as, as a faithful person. And Mary does that first with her actions. So beautiful. And the third role of king. So through the grace of participating in his kingly office, we find mastery over ourselves, our desires, our passions, and commit our lives to serve God's will. Yeah, we're all called to live a kingly office. And when I would you know, tell my kids about that, or you know, a Sunday school class or whatever, that you're called to live a kingly office, they're like, I don't even understand what that means. Like, am I going to be the mayor? Like, you know, the questions right. or, get. Or, exactly. or their idea is very different of what they think of as the role of the king. Like, right. I can tell people what to do. Serve me. Where is my crown? I love it. Do I get Where a are my jewels? My castle? Yeah. And that's that's the beauty of it because in their in their questions and in their kind of misunderstanding, what we're talking about here you're able to then say like, yeah, God, Jesus did have a crown. What was it made of? Thorns. He does have a kingdom. But is it, you know, a big castle? No, right? It's his church. So um, I love talking about this with the kings. And um, I was thinking about, you know, that we've shared before, Our Lady of Chestahova and how she had those, um, those scars and how she is a warrior and a mother and our queen, but still scarred, just, just beautiful. And so she shows us how to, how to live that most beautifully because when we're actually called to participate in the kingly office of Christ, who are we actually kings over? We rule over ourselves, right? We have to exercise self-mastery so that we get to have say over the temptations that stand before us to sin. So we do not have to be subjects of evil, subjects of temptation, subjects of the devil. We are disciples of the King of Kings. We are his his children. And in that kingly office, we grow in mastery over ourselves so that we ultimately every day get to say what we choose we are the ruler of our life in that way, in that very specific way where we say we choose every day to submit ourselves to the kingdom of God and to have mastery over all temptation. 
And we, you can only do that through, through God's grace and through uh, growing in virtue. You pray for those virtues and you have to exercise those virtues and, and choose those virtues every single day and ask the Lord for them, receive them, and then actually put them to use. And who did that better than Mary? No one. No one? No one. No one. So at the Annunciation, the angel Gabriel proclaimed, Hail Mary, full of grace. And and being full of grace, she lived in perfect virtue. She, And we know that that perfect grace through her love is she helps us on that road of growing in virtue to our Lord. So it's just... It's just beautiful because ultimately what Mary teaches us through this kingly office is, as well as, as our Lord is that to reign actually means to serve. Right. Lovely. Let it be done to me according to your will. Right. That's submission. And so, you know, nothing we have said here is not countercultural. And in every way, the culture is going to say something completely different about what it means to be priest, prophet, and king. Even other denominations, honestly, you know, brothers and sisters all, all over, but there God had a very specific, it was very specific when we are baptized and we enter into the church and we take on these three roles of priest, prophet, king, we are called to something very specific and it is not up, up to us to interpret. It's already laid out for us. We have the model of Christ who shows us how to live and we have the gift of our lady who shows us how to live in a uniquely feminine way. It's lovely. And the sooner we can talk that through with our kids, the better so that they have that foundation. They know this as truth. So when the culture comes at them with something else, they recognize that is wrong. Yeah. And I mean, how beautiful is it teaching your kids to reign means to serve. You have the King of Kings, you have God creator of all who came to serve. You have our lady, queen of heaven, perfect virtue, sinless. And and look at how she just submits her life to the will of God. It was never about her. If you look and you say, okay, if Mary can do it, God can do it. That must be what I'm called. Am I above it? New, no, new, no, you know? Negative. Negative. Exactly. So this, this is the first foundation. If we give this to our kids, it's going to give them a really strong perspective by which they're going to encounter kind of these cultural ideas, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's beautiful. It is beautiful. It's a Being gift a woman is awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's, in, you know, I, I think often, you know, we think about the feminine genius, um, we're going to talk about that next next week. But when we talk about what it means to be a girl and, and living out as priest, prophet, king, and our lady, like it has this very delicate, fragile connotation, negative connotation that the culture has given it. Could it be anything further from the truth? Like it's radically courageous. Radically, yes. Radically strong, radically important. I mean, thinking about women, trailblazers like – um, who lived out these offices in very unique ways, you know, St. Gianna Mola, who became a physician in way back, you know, in the early 20th century when women and were it not. It was not the norm for a girl. Right. Yes. Trailblazer. I mean, you have St. Joan of Arc leading an army. You have, you know, you have these beautiful saints who just show the strength of what being a woman is. We don't have time to try and be men because we got too much work to do as women. Too much to do. Exactly. <laughs> Get out of here with that. <laughs> I know, right? 
Oh man. Oh. Wow. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week. Yeah. We will keep you in our prayers. Please keep us in yours. Until next time.